Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Today I have with me Stuart Cox. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Izzy. Hi. I'm good. How about you? Very well. That's good. Thank you for having me. No problems. Um, I thought I'd get you on the podcast to talk about some of the races that you've been doing. You've done quite a few of the well-known races in the world that I'm sure a lot of people have on their bucket list. And I thought we could talk about them because some of the ones you've done have been the stage races and others have been standalone. I thought we could talk about the difference in preparation physically and mentally for um, these sorts of races. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic because um, you, you do get a lot of feedback from people that want to participate in stage races and, and are not aware of um, how to prepare or physically how to prepare as well as much as mentally, equipment-wise. There's so many different um, aspects to stage races than there are to standalone races in, in terms from training through to equipment. Um, there, there is a lot of differences and it does take a lot of organisation to prepare for a stage race. Just out of interest, which do you prefer? Oh, it's interesting. Um, stage races are very good because at the end of the day, um, you get to sit down with your fellow competitors and, and talk about what went on during the stages and, and what's going on for tomorrow. And they... It, it, the atmosphere is is very is unique in the stage races from the fact that um, they're all of like minded people, and at night time there's nothing better than sitting down with a few like minded people, having a, yeah. having a quiet <laughs> drink and and talking about the stage races you've done, and everyone there has obviously got long running resumes as well. So and, a real sense of camaraderie then. Yeah, real sense of camaraderie, and and in sense of they've all done a lot of bucket list list races as well and and you get ideas for your next race and somehow stage races can be very expensive (laughs) because you get you get your next idea from a lot of people and and just hanging out with like-minded people at night time and socializing after the race doesn't occur at the normal races and usually after a race you just want to go home have a shower and, and kick back and these stage races, you're actually forced to socialise. So um, just tell the listeners some of the, the amazing stage races you have been lucky enough to participate in. Uh, the current one I did this year was over in Morocco, which it, it's um, a race called Marathon de Saab. Um, it's run by a French group um, from France, but um, it's held over in Morocco. Um, it's a 250k race across the Sahara Desert over six days. Um, it's unique for, for, from a stage race point of view that it's it's purely self-sufficient, and except for water, which they will supply you with water and salt tablets. But from a point, they, they like to market it as one of the toughest races in the world, one of the toughest foot races in the world. But with so many races out there that are vying for that at the moment. Mm, a few of them give themselves that label, don't they? Yeah, they try and market it that way. So, And Marathon de Saab do very well and, and have been well known to market themselves as the toughest foot race in the world, but I'm pretty sure there are other races out there at the moment which which, which are harder for different reasons, but obviously a stage race with um, carrying your own food and carrying your own bedding and, and does have its challenges as well. So how did you establish what sort of food and how much you would take? Um, that's pretty much dictated by race organisers through your mandatory equipment for Marathon de Saab. They, they have a minimum amount of calories per day, which is around about the 2,000 mark for the minimum amount of calories to carry. And total for the race is 14,000 over the six days. So, um, but what sort of stuff did you take? Like um, Everything <laughs> that was light. <laughs> Anything that was light because you had to carry... 
your food for that six days. So what did you eat? What did we eat? Um, we started mainly a lot of freeze-dried food. Oh, okay, yep. Um, so a lot of it was freeze-dried food, which you could either eat with uh, cold water or you'd boil water. And, and what about while you were running? While you were running, because the stage is varied, um, the the longest stage we we encountered was about 75 k's, and that was on the long day. There was a marathon day, which was 40 k's. On the long day, we probably tried to eat a little more solid food, such as trail mix, and the, yep. and the shorter days, you'd probably stick with just your sugar, unfortunately, just your like gels. Gels, and, yeah. yeah. Gels and... Gels and Perhaps mix in some um, soft lollies and things like that. But, but it was pretty hot, am I correct? Yeah, temperatures range between, during the day, it could get up to 45 to 50 degrees. So in how the were the gels in that weather? Um, they were different. Um, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, you kept them in a place where it was pretty cool. So the, the gels weren't too bad. I, I didn't mind the hot weather with the gels because it was, <coughs> uh, the stages varied like there was some 30k stages as well like three of the stages were about 30k's approximately give or take okay, and yeah. when you're eating gels I, I i don't a lot of people have different opinions but and you find what works for you but over 30k's i didn't mind having a couple of gels yeah and yeah, then I mean, got, that's not too too long to yeah gels for. yeah it's not and then when you get to camp you made sure you had your correct recovery food um and it was interesting because calorie it was one of the most unique experiences from the point where you had to find the most calories you could find in a food mm. where every every other time when you go shopping, you look for the <laughs> least amount of <laughs> calories right. in food. And this time yeah. we're going, we've got to find calories. So did you find that with uh, budgeting for 2,000 calories a day that you were hungry at the end of the day? Like going to bed, were you hungry or were you satisfied? Um, no, it was surprisingly... I was surprisingly not hungry when I went to bed. Um, the only d- we had a day when you have the seventy k stage, they gave you two days to complete the seventy k oh, okay. stage. Yeah. Um, some of the faster people would complete that in ten hours to fifteen hours, and some yeah. of the the the, the, the uh, faster people would probably complete it in around fifteen to twenty hours, and they'd get in and have a sleep. Um, there's a few of us we completed in around about the ten to twelve hours. Oh, cool. But we had the next day to sit around, and, yeah. and that unfortunately was when the hunger caught up with you because oh, you had nothing else to do but think about food. You had nothing else to do but think about food, and <laughs> my favourite hobby. But and because yeah. you've got to still, you've got to cater for another two days, including yeah. that day. You couldn't eat any extra. You couldn't eat any extra, but you found yourself looking at it, maybe kind of knocking off a few mixed lollies or something uh, like that. So you were trying to day. do all the, the you know. Working out whether you could do that, yeah. But the calorie-rich foods, like even the protein recovery drinks and things like that, you had to be very careful that you got your intake of fiber as well. Like yeah. it, you had to be very careful. And the stage race, and especially MDS, was was a strategic, was a lot of thinking that went into it, not just yeah. the running side of it. And so yeah. you, you had so many different aspects to these stage races and the catering is just phenomenal. Like I think we did a race in the... Um, Himalayas, the Himalayan 100-mile race, Yep, where we had at least three or four kilos worth of just gels and food over there because you, you, you had to, like, the amount of catering you have to do for five days of racing is yep. phenomenal. So you're saying you needed more in the Himalayas? Yeah. It, because it's, of the altitude? Yeah, it's funny that because you, with altitude you have to cater, 
you burn through calories yes, faster. Yes, that's right. especially carbs. Especially carbs. Yeah. And your, your calorie intake is, it, it needs, and if you run out of calories at altitude, it's all yeah, over. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's no coming back from that. No, you, yeah. you're in a lot of trouble. And, and so you have to be so mindful of the amount of calories you do take in at altitude and and that taken into account too. So you've got to know where you're racing. You've got to know your calories. So a lot of thought has to go down for these stage races, not just we have individual day races. It's So is the Himalaya 100 fully um, self-catered as well? The Himalayan or did they one, provide dinners? The Himalayan 100, um, a, they provided dinners and breakfasts. Okay, so that's and, something at least. And when you cross the finish line, they provide you with food. But the um, racing, what what you required when you were racing... Yeah, you had to carry yourself. You had to carry yourself. For the whole five days? For the whole five days, that's mm-hmm. correct, yeah. And it's the same with the MDS. You have to carry everything right from the start, don't you? You do, yes. Yep. But with, sorry, the Himalayan 100, you didn't. Yeah, you could have, um, they carried your... Oh, so you could separate it into days. Into days, yes. Okay, that's what I was getting at. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, sorry. Don't no, need no. to clarify that. But yeah, every stage race has its differences. And that's why I think they did market MDS as one of the hardest because you did have to carry all your own food yes. and all your own clothes and all yeah. your own, everything. Pretty much so in regards to clothes, what did you do about that? Because it is hot, so clearly you're going to be sweating a bit. Um, what did you do about change of clothes? Uh, change of clothes, you would have um, you'd have your set running gear. Yeah. You'd have, and when you finished that day, you would have a set of like um, I had recovery tights. So I put yep. on. I don't look good in tights at the best of times, but no. <laughs> that doesn't really matter at that stage, does <laughs> it? Doesn't. Really, no one's there for looks at no. that stage. So <laughs> you put your recovery tights on, and you put your um, your t-shirt on, another t-shirt, yeah. running t-shirt. But I've also have. heard it's quite cold in the desert at night. So what did you do about that? It was quite a funny situation that you find. We found ourselves in on the first night because we'd all marketed for desert, and we in, yeah. in the back of our minds we'd said. This is going to be hot. Yeah. So we just need t-shirt and tights for the night time. We'll be fine. Oh, God. The first night, we all woke up saying, I don't know how we're going to do this. It it went down to about minus two that night, and the Mm. wind was coming through, and I've never been so cold sleeping outdoors in my life. I was very, very So you didn't have a warm coat? No. (laughs) Sorry, I'm speechless. (laughs) I thought you would know to take a warm coat. We had a sleeping bag and a... a, No, but you had to take like a puffy... Well, you've got to carry this puffy. Yeah, I know, but they can squish. You can get some that really squish down. We're talking about cutting your toothbrush in half, reducing weight. (laughs) (laughs) We're not talking about putting in puffies. But as you alluded to, by we still had access to our bags after the day after that first night in there. People found them putting puffies in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had no... We were just like, we can't carry on why this is this cold. So yeah, because we, so also that's recovery. Like, you can't run the next day if you've, if you've been shivering all night. Yep. <clears throat> and that was that was pretty The weight's much, almost then worth it. The weight was definitely worth it. And yep. I was willing to carry any jacket after that first yep. night. Yep. Also. <laughs> wait, okay, wait. so you did, you did have a jacket for the rest of the time. I did. No, and I, was absolutely, I, was I was going frozen. to say that yeah. that would have been horrendous. There's nothing worse than being cold all night. I was freezing. It was yep. really... And because you've got to be mindful of weight too and, and cost. Cost yeah. is a big thing as well because the, these items you take on these stage races are likely not to make it home with you. Yeah, of course. So if you're going to spend a lot of money on a sleeping bag... And, and, and light a, means expensive. Light means very expensive. Yep. And stage racing is, is expensive yeah. due to the equipment. But with MDS, you knew that 
light had to be kind of cheap because you yeah. you're not made of money and yeah. you can't afford the light expensive stuff that you're going to throw away at the end of it yeah or it, it just gets destroyed well yeah. i made a mistake of taking a very light sleeping self-inflatable mattress and no, had that work out second night yeah <laughs> deflated <laughs> it's self-deflated actually oh, really? yeah <laughs> oh, God. and that was in another four four nights without sleeping on the ground <laughs> But at least you were warm because you had your puffy. We did. We were very warm and we had a lot of rocks. We called massage rocks underneath <laughs> us. Which Positive really mindset yeah, is everything. You just, you just wander around on a massage rock and you get, get that Get spot. it on the glute. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Because no one really had rollers out there. <laughs> <laughs> Too heavy. Yeah, pretty much. You could find it. Yeah, we looked hard and thin for something to massage something with, but there was nothing out there. <laughs> So anyway, um, uh, and then so how did you find sleeping out every night impacted your ability to run every day? Um, It actually wasn't as bad as you think it sounds from the point that we actually... um, we were in bed relatively early. It was dark. As soon as it went dark at 7.30. That's right. Which is actually the natural way to... Yeah, it went dark at 7.30 yeah. and um, we were all in bed. All, we had tents. Well, not yeah. tents. We had tarps that were put up. Well, that's what I thought because it's, there weren't really proper walls on these no, tents, No, there's no, there's no walls. Yeah. It's just, it's so just if there's a, a sandstorm, you're... Oh, we had plenty of sandstorms and yeah. those types of things come through. And you, you, But you'd wake up at, say, 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And you'd just stay awake till the sun came up and then they'd just... If you weren't awake... It, it, they'd still take the tent down. Like they, they, <laughs> Just take it down yeah, around you. Yeah, they did. They took yeah. it down around you. And uh, yeah. every, it was a well-oiled machine that they were running yeah. in terms of taking tarps down and getting onto the next day and getting it started early. Because, yeah, they it was um, yeah pretty brutal. But the actual nights, you slept relatively well. You were exhausted, don't you? You were tired, yeah. yeah. You were tired. And Even with your massage rocks, you slept well. Massage rocks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were good, but... Um, yeah. Now, how well marked was the course? Because I have heard of people having gotten lost doing MDS. So, <clears throat> I think you had to be vigilant at all times oh, where okay. you were going, and you had because to, it all looks the same, doesn't it? It all does look the same. And when you're going up and down sand dunes, you have to get your sightings from the top of sand dunes yeah, yeah. And, and and go in the right direction. Um, one of my fellow guys who came over me, Simon Neal, he um. He got lost and he ended up very close to Algeria like, oh, cr- and he got pointed back into the wow. right direction. So there has been times when people have got lost on yeah. MDS and it's been well documented, I think, on yeah. Netflix as well. Yeah, I watched something on Netflix about some guy who got lost for quite a while. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and <clears throat> the, the trouble is now, well, not with insurance and all the rest of it, they've really clamped down and they've given each competitor EPIRBs. Oh, okay. That's and a good GPS idea. GPS spot trackers. Yeah, yeah. So every competitor's yeah. got one on their yeah. backpacks and if they ever get into trouble, they can just... Um, How much do they weigh? They weigh 55 grams. Ooh. So was it worth cutting your toothbrush? <laughs> every, every bit of I I went initially, I thought my pack might have been around 9 kilos, and when it was all loaded up, it was yeah. around about 11.5. But it, it diminished over the few Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, what was it by the end? It was around about 8 kilos by the end of it. Oh, so that's not that much. I thought it would reduce more. No. Clearly you didn't eat enough. No, clearly I didn't, but it was still 8 kilos was a lot better than 11 yeah, kilos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so with the Himalaya 100, what was the um, sleeping arrangements like for that? Uh, beautiful rooms. So oh, you had a nice bed nice. to sleep in at the end of it. And yep. it, it, it. The Himalayan 100 race was, 
it's not as iconic, obviously, as MDS. And, yeah. And it's, but it's, it's the Himalayas. It's the Himalayas. But a lot of times you've got to figure out why you're doing the race. Where, uh, what do you mean? Well, as opposed are, to MDS? Are you going, MDS is a race, but if yeah. you go, they call it the Himalayan 100 race. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that go there just for the beautiful scenery, to run from stage to stage yeah, yeah, to okay. stage, yeah. enjoy themselves, and not necessarily race the race. Uh, they're almost doing it like a tour. They're doing it for a tour. And, yeah. and, and I honestly think that that's a great idea as well. You yeah, go, yeah, you, yeah. You can yeah. change your intention altogether yes. and just go and enjoy the And what were you doing? I got caught up, obviously, in racing. Oh, jeez. Really? <laughs> and there was a group of four of us that were actually racing. There was a group oh, that's, of but that's guys great. At least there was a few of you. There was, a, there was obviously other races, but there was, ended up being four of us at the, at the start of the race. And I think the first day was about 21K in the Himalayan 100 race. Oh, yeah. And I think it was something like 4,000 metres of climbing oh, in, wow. in that first 20. And so not a quick half marathon there? No. we were, By the time we crossed the finish line, we, there was a few of us going, wow, this is going to be a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> and so on the day two was an out and back in the lane 100. And yeah. the three of us called a truce day. We, <laughs> <laughs> it was too hard? It, it, the first day was too hard. Yeah. <laughs> We'd all killed ourselves and we're like, we're not going to put any time into each other on that yeah, day yeah, based yeah. on the fact that it is pretty tough. Yeah, well, that's good that you could come to the gentleman's agreement. But, yeah, it's it's funny, and and I'd highly recommend people don't get caught up in the whole yeah. race analogy when they go into races. Go and enjoy yourselves. Yeah. And don't if you're going to race it, sure, enjoy it, but enjoy at the same time because it is a bucket list thing. And yes, you're that's not, right. You're and not, you're spending all this money and traveling and everything, yeah. and, yeah, you want you, it to be worthwhile. You want it to be worthwhile, and don't get caught up in the whole word race. Yeah. Yep. more experience it and there's a lot of there's a lot of these that market themselves as a race but if you look deeper into it just go and enjoy yourself and enjoy yep. the scenery you, you run past some beautiful places oh, stop I and bet. take pictures i'm and, so jealous yeah and enjoy the people and enjoy yep. the whole the whole atmosphere so where the people as wonderful as everyone says yeah it's terrific yep. like yep. an absolute blast and yep. and like and that's what running is a lot about as it is, well. Isn't it? It's, it's the about community. it's the community, it's yeah. the spirit, it's about and the race is just an aside in yeah, a lot of these things. Yeah. And that's it's the vehicle for the for the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was the longest day in the Himalayan one hundred? Uh, that was a forty three K race. Okay. And how long did that take? That took around about seven hours. So it had some decent climbing too. Yeah, it had some it all <laughs> had some decent climbing. But the, the And what other, sort of elevation were you at? Around, generally around on average around three and a half to four yeah. four and a half <clears> which is not which is not to be you know mucked around with because that can affect you too oh, <clears> i i am not very good with the altitude the best okay. of times and, and i think what you find with a lot of these races in the states and a lot of these races such as utmb and those types yeah. of races the people that live up there and yeah. the people that race the race on the course and and live yeah. around there will always fill the top 10. Yes, yeah, because they're used to it. They're used to that yeah. kind of elevation. Yeah, And you go to iconic races such as Western States and Leadville and all yeah. these other races, and you'll find nine times out of ten the guys who live in Colorado racing yeah. the Grand Canyon, all these yeah. places, will fill the top ten of a lot of these races just purely because they're used to the elevation. Yeah. To, to rock up as an outsider and think that you have 
an opportunity is, is pretty. It's a pretty tough. It's a pretty yeah. tall ask if you come from Beach Road where I do in, in, in <laughs> at like zero, <laughs> yeah, zero, zero meters above sea level. <laughs> so you've done Leadville. What, what was that like? Uh, Leadville to date was probably one of the toughest races, and I think that my ambition and ability obviously get mixed up and you get caught up in the <laughs> you get caught up in the race hype and yeah. you've got to stop yourself from getting too caught up in everything and, and blowing your race in the first 21k yeah you know you don't want to do that because there's that's a long way to grovel after that it was an extremely long way to grovel <laughs> <laughs> and i think i think i got overly excited on Leadville and, and obviously blew up in the first 40, 50K oh, and wow. underestimate. And I wasn't getting in enough calories when you Because once again, that's at a high elevation, isn't it? Yeah, it actually starts at 3,200. Yeah. And climbs to? Climbs around at Hope's Pass is around 4 1, I think. Yeah, so once again, you're needing more calories, more carbs, and thus more water yeah. as well. Yeah. And, so. and you find the climate varies significantly too. Like you'd be up the top of Hope's Pass and there's a blizzard coming in. Oh, wow. And then you'd be back down the bottom and it's 20, 22, 23 degrees. So you've got to carry all your clothes for the... You, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a toughie. And, but I didn't realise that. I kind of always had heard it wasn't so as tough as some of the races. I think... I, look, honestly, it's 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 really on your own experience, yeah. and, and I found it tough because I'd blown up early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you go over there, you're so determined not to DNF. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. when you've gone all that way, for yeah. sure. And you come yeah. all the way from Australia, and you, you yeah. go over there, and you've got a few people with you for crewing and yeah. things like that. And you've dragged them along to support you. You've dragged yeah. them along. You, you're not going to disappoint your pacer, and yeah. you do your best. Obviously, if medical conditions dictate whether or not you DNF, and you be smart about it, but yeah, yeah. if you're tired... And you, your legs hurt. You, you, yeah. start, you, you probably just keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, what are some of the other sort of bucket list races that you have done? Um, I did a go race across the Gobi Desert. Oh, okay. That was quite interesting. Was that stage race or standalone? No, that was a standalone fifty k race. Okay. Um, that was quite cool. Um, it's there's a lot of races in Australia which are quite unique as well, yeah. and and I've always enjoyed UTA, which yep. has been quite good. That was always a bucket list when I was growing up. You heard about the North Face 100, and, yeah. and everyone was, oh, that's tough. And it still to this date is a pretty hard race. Oh, UTA. it is. Those stairs, they kill me every time. The last kilometre. Yeah. 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 Um, It's funny you mention them because my mum and dad, and I was very fortunate for them to come up and um, yeah. be my support crew at the oh, last nice. UTA. And, awesome. And um, they said, oh, he's got one kilometre to go. He'll be done. Um, we'd be able to make our 8.30 dinner reservation. Oh, yeah. It's all good. And so how long were you? I was 25 minutes on that <laughs> last kilometre <laughs> climbing up those stairs and mum's... Mom, Oh, that's really nice. You, what happened? <laughs> what you took feel, you so long? Yeah, you feel like kind of leaving him down there and showing him yeah. what happened. Yeah. But you, you're just like, you, you just leave it. Yeah, it was a tough last K. Yeah. And, then, yeah. <laughs> and you leave it at that. But um, yeah, there's so many terrific races around the world at the moment. And, and we're so lucky that we, we've got the, so many different options we can race. And recently, obviously, UTMB had just yeah. uh, has, has gone and, and raced again and have you ever done any of those races at UTMB? No, no. Is um, that in the plan? They, it's interesting. It's um, the the amount of media coverage these races are getting these days. They're glorifying, and it's terrific. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But it's still a tough race. It's an incredibly tough yeah. race. Yeah, I mean, I've done CCC, and that was hard enough, let alone 
UTMB, so... Yeah. I don't know, yeah. Is your bucket list... I don't know. UTMB? After CCC, I said never, ever. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of... But, you know, that'll change. It's funny, though, a lot of people go, oh, that's a great race, why don't you go and do that? But they don't quite realise the financial outlay. Yes, that's the biggest part. And Chamonix is very expensive. The time outlay? Yeah. When you're not at work, you're training. Yes. And you could be at work and you're training. Yeah. The amount of money you have to put into physios, the amount of money you put into training. I took up running because I thought it was cheap. It is not cheap. It's not cheap. (laughs) Not if you want to do these bucket list races, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's... But... That's probably one of the most downfalls as well. When as you, you the time commitment gets harder yeah, and harder yeah. as 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 you get into these bucket list races, and MDS was probably a wake up call from that aspect of it. The amount of training and preparation yeah. you had to do for MDS was was a lot phenomenal. Was and ph- and so would you say <clears throat> that it almost sometimes could make stage racing a little bit prohibitive for a lot of people? You know, if you've got kids and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I think it does to a certain degree. Y- your time commitment in terms of weekends um, are back to back. The yeah. tra- the training's different. You have to put together three to four days of back to back long yeah. runs, and yeah. how you do that is is up to yourself. But it, and who you drag along with you as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to find lots of different people to <laughs> gotta find lots of different friends. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. It, the amount of time commitment, especially if you've got a young family and things like yeah. that, it's extremely so, hard. So it's easier really to train for the standalone races because you know you know it's X amount of distance and X amount of time and you don't have to, you know, train for more than what you need to do. <clears throat> Would you I say? I think it's all relative to your expectations. Yes, there's that too. About what you want out of the race. If, yeah. you, if you, you get the race you train for. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. And, I mean, I'm not saying for a standalone that you would do less training, but you would perhaps do less of the back to, long back-to-back days. Yes. Which would mean you've got a little bit more time. You do. But yeah. your kilometres per week, it still has it's to a be. Still, it still needs to be high. Yes, I totally agree. Now, you have a young son now, so how are you finding that is impacting your training? Oh, um, yeah, it hasn't, hasn't changed. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. It's actually done really well for my sleep deprivation training. <laughs> like, I well, think I can run a mile a an hour over two nights and I'd be fine without any sleep. But I think... Um, I think your priorities change as well a little bit, and yeah. your priorities will move to. You, you, I'm not out there fighting for world championships. I'm not yeah. out there trying to win races. I'm out there to enjoy my running. Yeah. I'm out there to. Um, I'm out there just to take in the scenery, take a few pictures, meet some pretty cool people along the yeah. way. Um, and being a good father is a much higher priority than yeah. than so, that at the moment. So it's amazing how children change your outlook on life. I'm still enjoying my running, and of course, I, you've still yeah. got to find time to get out there and run. And I, I thoroughly do enjoy running yeah. still, but your priorities change as well. And, and everyone does that in life, and and they've got time later on in life to yeah, get back yeah. to that later on. Yeah, it's only, and really, it is only a short time, and before you know it. Yeah, you have all yeah. the time and you can get yeah. back to what you love doing and hopefully you can take them along for the ride as well. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, And, and bring right. them along on a nice long run. <laughs> maybe start off <laughs> and with a little less than... without them whinging too much. A little you know? less than 80Ks. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you might start off with a 5K run. <laughs> might be kind. Maybe a park, um, park run. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, in England now, I think they do 2K runs at the park runs for the kids or shorter. They have little runs for the kids too. Um 
Do you have any stage races that you are planning for the future, you know, when you can get back into training a bit more consistently? I think, um, honestly, at the moment, there, there was a race I was looking at over in the Himalayas called Mansula. Oh, yes, I've heard of that. Mountain yeah. race, which, yeah. which would be quite nice. Yeah, that would be lovely. If, if one day, possibly soon, that would be... One uh, day soon. <laughs> one day soon. <laughs> but that, that would be a nice stage race. And hopefully, I'd like to do Western States as well at some okay. stage. And yeah. I've been putting into the lottery for the last couple of years and unsuccessful. But each year, hopefully, your... Yeah, that's right. It increases your chances. Increases your chances. So but maybe, then more people into which decrease. Anyway, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I think that's... It's good for the sport that there's so much interest yes, in it. Yes, definitely. But it's, it's a little tough for the everyday battler who just wants to go and do the race as a bucket list as well. And, yeah. And, and one of the draw cards to MDS was very little qualifying races. There was... Oh, okay. Yeah, so a lot of people rock up. I was going to say, so just about anyone can do it then. Yeah, pretty much, main? yeah. Oh. If, if you're, Is if that you're, a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. I think if yeah. you, I think... In terms of how well it was supported from a oh, medical okay. point of view and then how well okay. it was yeah. supported from, like, the like the instructions and the, the scrutineering yeah. and everything that was done, the medical checks and things, yeah. I think I think they had to do that if they were opening it up to a lot of yeah. people that are probably yeah. not as well prepared as others. And um, <clears throat> it's quite expensive, though, so that would, you know, mean a lot of people can't do it too. Am I correct? It's pretty expensive. Yeah, MDS is, is incredibly expensive, and and but when, you're paying for that support as well, aren't you? When you go there, the actual outlay you see for MDS is incredible. They've got yeah. two helicopters. They've got a, they've got medical tents with ICU intensive oh, wow. care setups. Seriously, they've got portable yeah. ventilators. They've got Jeez. so you can kind of see where your money went at least. You can clearly see where yeah, your money went good. to. Yeah. It's self-supported and everything else, but they put you in that bubble, and outside yeah. that bubble is one of the most well-oiled. Yeah, it's, they've been doing it for the last thirty-four years. So they're pretty good at their job. They're really good yeah. at their job, yeah. and like you'd be there at, at night time getting your feet looked at because one of your yeah. feet was a big thing in the sand, and you'd be having interventional cardiologists who oh, were volunteering seriously? their time out there. Anaesthetists, like wow, the actual medical setup was just incredible. Yeah, I had the um, I had I was very honoured to actually benefit of having a look through it and yeah. go, wow, this is sometimes better than Frankston Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try not to bag Frankston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not bag Frankston. Um, <laughs> hospital. Um, yeah, okay. So And so basically that Mansalu, um, that, that was it, wasn't it? The yeah. One, that's the one you're thinking of for the future? Um Perhaps, but at the moment, I think... Yeah, there's not much, you can't focus on anything at the moment. There's not a lot of focus. I'll, I'll cover Surf Coast Century next yep. week, yep. and hopefully that's my qualifier for Western States. Ah, okay. To get into yep. Western States lottery, just the lottery, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Let me clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't do UTA this year. Ah, of course, bad timing. It and you were at um, MDS anyway, weren't yeah, you? That's yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, that's the other thing. Even just to get into a lottery, you have to yeah. complete some races as well. I, I think ideally too. I've been talking to a few guys about Badwater, and Badwater definitely entertains. Is, yeah. is an interesting scenario, but the qualifying for Badwater is oh bad. really? Oh yeah. You have to do. Um, I think it's a hundred mile couple of them. Oh possibly. okay. Have you done? Have you done a full straight? Oh yeah, you have. Leadville is hundred miles. Yeah, but you have to do it within the two years or oh, a year. Okay. Within yeah. within a certain time limit, but 
yeah, it's definitely um, races are becoming harder and harder to enter. Yeah, and, yeah. and bucket list races are, are, as they're getting more and more popular. Yeah, they're harder and harder to enter, and like to the general public, hopefully they don't become unachievable. Yeah, that's right. Because that mythological sense of being able to achieve some of these races is incredible. So would you recommend um, people to do a stage race at some point in their running career? Oh, I think it's a terrific experience. And yeah. I think if you love your running, it's it's um, it's a whole different atmosphere, as I alluded to before, yeah. in terms of it's a different experience. And you really live the runs yeah. as well. You get up the next day. It, it can be quite arduous as well. Yeah, I can imagine you, hard work day to back Day it after up. day, yeah. backing up running. Yeah. But if you've done the training, the, the actual races themselves are quite fun. Yeah. You do enjoy them. And I think that um, stage races are incredible experience. And if you do them right, they can be very – you can have friends for life as well. Yeah. And that's the best part about ultra running really, isn't it? Well, it is. And that's the, the ultra running community as well is, is not about the racing. Yeah. It's, it's more about the camaraderie afterwards and, and yeah. throughout helping each other achieve their goals. Yeah. And you see that throughout social media as well. The social media ultra running community is there to help you. Yeah, that's right. And support you and support you in achieving you what finish, you want yep. to do. And yeah. they're happy with you finishing last, happy first. or And that's just, what I, I think is pretty awesome as well. Yeah, it's incredible. So people accept you no matter how you go as long as you're doing what you love. Yeah, and you respect the sport and you respect yeah. the people. And yeah. I think that you, you can achieve anything in the ultra running with the support of anyone. Yeah. And I think it, I think sometimes if you need a little bit of guidance, a, a coach is is helpful yeah, in setting yeah. a program, especially with ultra running, because a lot of races you can win. You yeah. can you can perhaps do a half marathon. And yeah, you, you can, can get. To, yeah, that's you, right. You yeah. can do a full yeah. marathon, but it might not be pretty. But you can yeah. do it, and you can follow instructions, and you yeah. can get those programs off the internet quite freely. Yeah. But once you start moving past the marathon stage of things, I think to do the sport safely it's good to have a little bit of guidance and yeah, someone and, and pay someone for yeah. valuable information and your ambition and ability perhaps might they might say to you perhaps you might need to hold back and do it later yeah. on or perhaps go straight ahead and receiving that advice can often help you long term and still enjoy your running further on down the and, the, and that's also what it's about is you don't want to um jeopardize the ability to have a Long time running in the sport. Yeah, you want to be doing it when you're 60 and 70 years yeah. old and enjoying yeah. Mount Feathertop and yeah. enjoying these lovely sights the whole life. And if, if you do find yourself not doing not doing ultra running correctly, not doing the recovery, not doing mm. the training yeah. that you're supposed to be doing, you won't be up the top of Mount Feathertop seeing the sunrise. <laughs> That's exactly right. And what would life be like without that? Pretty uh, ordinary. It's pretty ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming and chatting with me today and telling us about some of the different races you've done. I'm sure everyone's found it really interesting. And uh, hopefully we'll hear about some more races. Thank you, Izzy. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. All right. See ya. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Stuart. He's done some amazing races and it was great to hear about them. Of course, if you would like some coaching to help with training for your next ultra or multi-day race, I am available at Peak Endurance Coaching to help you with your training plans and those sorts of things to make sure that it is 
personalised and exactly what you need and fitted for your race schedule. Next podcast will be, do ultra runners need to do speed work? Um, And I'm pretty sure you can guess what my answer to that will be because the next training talk after that will be describing the different types of speed work or not necessarily speed work but um you know interval sessions and so on that ultra runners can do and run all runners in general basically so thanks for listening to the podcast and i'd love it if you could subscribe on apple podcasts and leave a review that would really help me out thanks